The Adam Crowley Show. Love you, 970 ESPN. It's Adam Crowley, I think it is. He's a good guy. He really is. He's a good host. I enjoy me, you know? And now we're talking about a weekly spot on the show. And I'm just telling Adam, I better be picked. Freebies are open. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. You found the Crowley Show, where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of Dozens. And follow me on Twitter, underscore Adam Crowley. I am choking on stir-fry. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me, prepared to do the Heimlich. Shirtless Tom behind the glass. Check them out on Twitter. FBalmer73 and ButtonPusher970. Tell your kids. Tell your wife. I'm choking up in here. Everyone's clamming down on the NFL. Saying that this roughing the passer calls are ruining the game. And yes, I realize I'm generalizing when I say everyone, but my Twitter feed yesterday, when Aaron Donald army crawls his way into Derek Carr's crotchal region, was just filled with people saying, Oh, you're screwing your football game. You just turn it into flag football. <laughs> Those are all the people who call you a snowflake when you have a nuanced opinion. They're the ones who lose their minds when... God forbid you try to protect a quarterback. I'm a Steelers fan-ish. Used to be a bigger one. I didn't like Carson Palmer because he diced the Steelers up. I also liked watching him Sunday in and Sunday out, and his knee exploded when Kimo Von Olhoffen rolled into him. You want to prevent that as much as possible. The NFL has called a bleep ton of roughing the passer calls already through one week of the regular season, And I'm okay with it. In fact, I like it. I like watching Carson Palmer play football. I did. They're coming out with a football life. I'll probably watch it. I love watching Aaron Rodgers play ball. When he went down the other night, Sunday night football, all eyes on him. Carrie Underwood's coming out wearing next to nothing. I'll watch for that. And then I'll leave if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. And I did until I saw on Twitter, he's back. Oh, my God. He's back. But that game means nothing to me if Aaron Rodgers isn't in it. I think that Monday Night Football executives know that. The number was nice because... It was Sunday Night Football. The number was nice because Aaron Rodgers did come back. If he doesn't, who cares? If Aaron Donald walks down the street, Tom's a huge Pitt fan, loves the NFL thinks that the Los Angeles Rams are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Uh, No, not when. They are going to go to the Super Bowl. You wouldn't know who Aaron Donald was if he smacked you in the ass. That's not true. You would have no clue. That's not true at all. You would have no idea who he was. You're right, I have no idea. If Stephon Tewitt walked down the street, 95% of Steelers fans wouldn't know who he was. My mom watches every single Steelers game. She's a huge fan. I doubt she would know what he looked like walking down the street. Defensive players, you buy their jerseys, you say you love them, but quarterbacks are the reason why we watch. Nobody goes to hockey games, I don't think, to watch goalies. Uh, Brian does, because Brian was a goalie. I don't think a lot of people do. I think people go to hockey games because they want to see the Stars score. People want to see scoring in the NFL. They say defense wins championships. you got to be able to play defense, and you do, 
But quarterbacks are what drive the entire franchise. It's what drives the entire league. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady smiling and Jimmy Garoppolo looking hot and hanging out with porn stars. Brett Favre and his boyish charm. Cam Newton and his boyish charm that we don't like as much. Wonder why we don't. Let's explore that. Just kidding. All these NFL quarterbacks are the reason you go, the reason why you watch. They are two casual fans connected to the team in ways that other players just can't be. Receivers, maybe, because their faces are always out there and they act a fool and they act like divas. And I can see how they enter the star conversation. Running backs a little bit, but their shelf life's not there. Quarterback's going to play for 14 years. They're going to stay with the same franchise for 14 years. They're going to be Derek Jeter. Every damn team's going to have one in the NFL. You can't let that guy get hurt. Aaron Donald was called for crawling into the crotch of Derek Carr, and people bitch, and I said, you go, NFL. Protect that man. Protect that crotch. Protect that twig. Protect those berries. I don't like the lowering of the helmet calls left and right. I don't like that you have to wait after every single pass play to see whether or not there's going to be a flag. You don't even know how to cheer. You don't even know how to swing your terrible towel because maybe Antonio Brown pushed off or maybe Artie Burns grabbed a guy's eye and pulled it out of his socket and there's going to be laundry on the field. I don't like that. I don't like that there were 23 penalties called in the Steelers and Browns. I don't like that there were 26 penalties called in the Atlanta Falcons and Philadelphia Eagles season opener. I don't like that there's an abundance of flags, but I can get behind that flag. And I can get behind the flags for any player that's going after a quarterback in a manner that could eventually hurt that quarterback or could subsequently hurt that quarterback. My soft? My wuss, you tell me, 412-922-2874. Protect the investment. You think the owners want to see their quarterbacks get hurt? You don't think the owners say, hey, let's make sure that they're not rolling up on these dudes? It's all about the cash. But for me, it's about the entertainment value. 412-922-2874. Michael says, Dag, you're a bummer today, Crowley. And now I'm down on myself for agreeing with most, if not all, of your points regarding Ben Roethlisberger. I think Ben's more likely to lose a game now than he is to win one. Doesn't mean he can't. But he did enough to win that game against Jacksonville in the playoffs last year. He also did enough to give him 14 points on a platter. You give the other team 14 points in a playoff game, I don't care if you throw for 7,000 yards, let alone 500, you ain't winning that game. Jonathan says, at underscore Adam Crowley, in regards to Ben Roethlisberger, you're overreacting because of one game. Nope, I'm not. The last decade, Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers' offense are 15th in the league in red zone percentage and 13th in points per game. He's good. He's not top five good. And he's certainly not going to learn how to be top five good now in one of the last years of his career where he doesn't have his all-pro friggin' running back. I don't overreact. I react. Apt. The office. Do you like Beth Moens? I don't know. I'm afraid to dive into this topic, but I don't know. I think her voice can be whiny, and she does the broadcaster thing all the time. But I don't want to be the guy to say it, although I just sort of did, because is it because she's a woman? Do I dislike her because she's a woman? I don't think so, but 
I'm afraid that maybe that's the case. I don't know, but maybe. I don't know, but maybe. Could I actually take a pro-woman stance on this? Yes. She's going to make it hard for them to let any other women do this in the future. She's so bad. Look, now I'll tell you, and it's not its not through lack of hard work. She h- works hard. She knows everything that's going on. She knows more than most of the ma- her male counterparts. I feel like she's more prepared for the game, but that delivery... That kind of, it's the pukey delivery touchdown. And she hangs it out there in the end. She sounds like an old-timey white dude broadcaster that's a woman in modern day. Trying to broadcast. Like, that's where it comes off. I like, and look, there's there's great female broadcasters out there who call games. And I like, I like my play-by-play people to... To be more conversational. Like, are you at a dinner party with her? And she's like, hey, how you doing? You know, like, no, who talks like that? Just talk to me. Tell me about the game. If you learned, though, that that is her normal voice and she is at dinner parties, they like, hey, could you please pass the butter for my cord? Like, well, would you be fine with her then? then you can't blame her, then right? Then she's just a creepy human because no one else <laughs> speaks like that either. Like, if she's doing that in, like, regular, hey, could I get a taco extra cheese? Like... If she's doing that, I want no part of her. I think Gus Johnson does that a little bit. I like him because he brings a lot of energy, but sometimes he brings energy to something that doesn't need energy, and he does it like that too, I think. I think Gus Johnson does a lot of the, oh, touchdown. Yeah, it's it's. I just go after a woman and a black guy. What is happening to yeah, me? Yeah, oh my uh, god! Social justice warrior Crowley's well, losing we, today. We can bring it around full circle, guys. With I know we're all going to agree on this one. How does Jason Witten know how to talk? Oh, Jason, <laughs> you know how to like. <laughs> he knows he's allowed to input on the game, right? Like he was bad job. last night. He's on a word limit. <laughs> You've got a word count only three fifty yeah. for the entire broadcast. Yeah. He was bad, and Bruce Arians was bad. He was bad. Same when he talked, like, he wouldn't participate much. It seemed like early on, I was like, where the hell is he? He didn't say anything. He said one cool thing where he said, oh, Jesse James is wide-ass open, and everyone reacted like it was the first time they'd ever heard ass before. I, like you're Jason Witten. You can talk. People are not going to fault you for maybe talking over those other two people every once in a while. You're chasing freaking Witten. You know, honestly, if Beth Moen would have said ass, it might have been funnier because it would have been like, ass. It's not because she's a woman, but I think a lot of people do dislike her because she is. I'm sure there's that continuum. Yeah, you just give her the job because she's a woman broadcaster. No, I think she's really good in terms of the knowledge. I think she calls a good game. It can be a little annoying. And here's the thing. Like, I can tell in her game, like, look, we're around play-by-play a lot. You, Tom, myself, we work on the Steelers Network. We've I've worked on other networks. I know play-by-play pretty well. And by the mechanics of it all, by the prep she puts into it, she is a hell of a broadcaster. I mean, it, she is just buttoned down tight. And I imagine a lot of that comes from a female trying to make her way in a male-dominated thing. She feels like she has to over-prepare, but it is absolutely beautiful the way she prepares. It's it's the delivery and, and all of that stuff that gets to me, you know? But again, she's credible. She can do the job. So I don't think this is a situation where you're beating up on her because she's a woman. You, woman, you're beating up on her because she's she sounds odd doing the job she's paid to do. This is the second time now... In two days, where I'm coming down on this in the different way than I thought I'd be coming down on it. With Serena Williams, 
I thought I'd be on the side of screaming Serena. She's a woman and she's free, baby. She can say what she wants. She can fight sexism. No, I think she cried sexism when sexism wasn't present, which I think invalidates when women start screaming sexism. I was surprised that I came down that way, but I did. And last night when I flipped on the game, I was prepared. Okay, I will take the stance of defending Beth Moens. But then I realized... I would only have been defending her because she's a woman. And maybe sometimes that's okay. Maybe the woman deserves an extra bone thrown their way here and there because they don't get it enough. But, oh, boy, that's oh, a poor choice of words See, there. we were handling this all mature. I had it until I got there. I look over and your eyes got all big. I feel like I would have been defending Beth. Oh, she's a great broadcaster just because she's a woman broadcaster. I think that I would have been defending Serena for her outburst just because she's a woman. If a man had done the same thing Serena did, and it was a national story, I would say that man's behaving like an imbecile. If there's a nasally broadcaster who's on the air, who's gucking it up, I'm going to make fun of that guy, too. There are plenty of broadcasters that I don't like that are men. And I think that there's a fine line now, though, where if you do criticize Beth Moens, all of a sudden you are a sexist. All of a sudden you become the enemy. You become one of them. You become one of the... Bad men. You're a terrible white man. How dare you? What if you just didn't like her, the cut of her jib, man? What if you just didn't like her voice? Doesn't make me a bad person. I'd go one step further and say it's almost sexist to point you out for having a, a negative opinion about a woman. Because if you want to be treated equally, if you want to be do things like other people and not be uh, picked out because of your gender... Criticism is a part of the game. Men get criticism. Everybody gets criticism. You should be able to criticize women in a way constructive. I mean, you know, I get it when you're like, oh, that news anchor doesn't know how to dress. You know, look at her. I get right. that side of things. But like if you legitimately don't like listening to somebody like I hate listening to Joe Buck. I'm not a fan of Bob Costas. I do not like listening to those guys. I think they're annoying. I think they're uptight. Uh, if if I went that hard at a woman, kind of in this is in this day and age, I I'd be open for flack. People would come back at me on it. But it is it's it's sexist if you do not allow legitimate criticism of a female. It is, and I think that raises a valuable point, Brian. Where yeah. there's the Me Too movement that's going on right now, and one of the cries has been. You have to believe everything the women say because you, you have to err on the side of let's not allow these women to become assaulted. And I'll totally agree with that. In terms of criticizing someone for their job, I think you don't always just have to say they're a woman, they're great. As much as you want women to be propped up, as much as I want equal pay for women... Sometimes they're not as good as... That's not what I mean to say. Sometimes... You can criticize them for not doing the job that you think someone else could do better, whether it be a man or a woman. And Beth Moen's voice just... It's annoying. I'm it's, sorry. It's, yeah. So. <laughs> Braden tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Would you rather listen to Chris Collinsworth or Beth Moen's? I love Collinsworth. Collinsworth is good. You, you Adam, want to talk Adam about a guy who's... Me. I, 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 that is my crusade from now till the end of time. I want people to love Chris Collinsworth. You want to talk about not uptight broadcaster? That guy's cool. See, I used to like him back in the day, and when he was inside NFL on uh, on HBO, like long, long time ago, I used to like him a lot. I think he's kind of become a parody of himself. I don't know. It's but I kind of like that about him. I don't know. I, the thing about him that's awesome is he's just such a super nerd about football. Like when the big plays yeah. happen, he's like, "Oh my god, his, his what a block!" Is insane. 
Did Harry Carey just give that commentary on Chris Collinsworth? No, no, Harry hasn't been here in a while. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a long time. Collinsworth has that deep, raspy, smokes a thousand cigarettes a day kind of voice. He does. And every time he's sitting next to Al to start off Sunday Night Football, they come in from Carey, right? She's doing her little dance, and the song's going. Antonio Brown's driving by in a car while talking on the phone, which, kids, you should not do that at home. (laughs) And they cut to Al Michaels, and it's the coolest thing. Pay attention to this next time you watch Sunday Night Football. (laughs) Al said that you guys know what I'm talking about. He goes, we now bring in Chris Collinsworth, and they tilt the camera slightly, and Chris sits down, slides over, and gives the camera a look. (laughs) This nonchalant, I'm here to broadcast kind of look. It's badass. Game on, bitches. Whoa! <laughs> That's what he did. Oh, yeah. Whoa! Hey, not in this segment, Brian. Jeez. Yeah. All he, right. was, he was addressing the audience, yes. not, not fellow co- or co-workers. <laughs> Jeez. I'm going to get sexual harassment up in here. Coming up next, why I feel better about the Steelers' D. Oh, wait. Uh, defense than I did a week ago. It's Crowley Show. He's a trigger warning waiting to happen. This is the Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Do you feel better about the Steelers' defense? After their week one tie against the Cleveland Browns, oddly, I feel better about it than I did coming into the season, but I'm not yet sold. You shut down the Kansas City Chiefs, you keep that offense out of the end zone, then I'll start to believe. But I had a pretty good idea that T.J. Watt was going to be a good player. I expected Bud Dupree to have his way with a undrafted rookie free agent left tackle, and he did. I expected them to stop the run because Cleveland's rushing attack isn't exactly one of the most potent in the league. They checked a lot of good boxes. Unfortunately, they couldn't hold the lead, and it's not all their fault. Joe Hayden goes down with a hamstring injury. That hurts. And Cam Sutton has to then go up against one of the freaks of all time in the National Football League. The bicep of Josh Gordon are the size of Artie Burns' legs. And he goes up over Cam Sutton to bring in a touchdown. You don't want to see anybody go two plays, 58 yards, get in the end zone and tie a game. But the other team's on scholarship, too. Overall encouraged. Still waiting, though. Still to be determined. Here are some of the things that do make me feel a little bit better, though. I think Sean Davis is free safety capable. That's what Mike Tomlin would say. He's free safety capable. He is. He can go sideline to sideline. He would have had an interception if not called back for a holding penalty. would have had a fumble recovery if not for the NFL referees pooping down their legs. I thought he was good. I thought he looked the part. The one thing I wish he would have done is put a lick on Josh Gordon in the end zone when Cam Sutton's getting beat over the top. That's the one thing I wish he would have done. He flew right past him like a missile. Misses. If he hits Josh Gordon in the back when Josh Gordon's trying to get those feet in, maybe he doesn't get his feet down, or maybe the ball comes loose. But I thought good steps were taken by Sean Davis in that regard. The run defense, they give up a drive. Other than that, I thought they were largely good. They're going to have to get better with mobile quarterbacks, though. Tarod Taylor's scrambling left and right, 20-yard touchdown. 
Pat Mahomes can do that to them this week. He's not a runner, runner. He's more of a pocket guy, but he can make plays when the plays do break down. Joe Flacco's okay moving out of the pocket. You don't have to worry about him. Andy Dalton, though, you do. Andy Dalton can run. They'll run zone reads with him. You've got Cam Newton later on in the season. The Steelers are going to have to deal with that and get better at that. But the run defense, stopping the between the tackles, stopping the running back himself, I thought they were largely good. 3.3 yards per carry. That's really good. Depth-wise, I think you can already tell they're better than last year. Joe Hayden goes down with a hammy. Cam Sutton picks the ball off at the end of the game. I said he was burned by Josh Gordon. Again, that'll happen sometimes. He gets an interception. Make sure Cleveland can't win it in regulation. Make sure Cleveland can't win it at all because they don't win it. They tie the game. I think you're deep in the secondary. Cody Sensabaugh didn't dress. He's a decent player. Mike Hilton, I thought, was all over the place on Sunday. The secondary is as deep as it's been in a long time. I've deemed this the show-me defense. Did they do enough to show you they're for real? 412-922-2874. I'll wait to see how they do against Kansas City, a team that's very well coached has a lot of weapons, and put up 38 points in a good Chargers defense on the road. Where in the world's James Washington been? Played 11 snaps on Sunday. Didn't catch the football. Wasn't targeted once. Juju Smith-Schuster didn't have a catch in his first game as a Steelers rookie. I understand that. Martavis Bryant didn't play for, I think, the first 10 games of the season, his rookie year. But the Steelers need a deep threat, and... I'm not convinced that even though James Washington is a rookie, that he's not better than Justin Hunter. Get him out there. What did he do in the preseason, in OTAs, in minicamp, and training camp, to make you think he's not ready to go? Mike Tomlin says he thinks he's thinking too much out there. He got seven balls for 158 yards. If you only need him to run go routes, have him run go routes. Have him run fade routes in the end zone, in the red zone. He made all kinds of plays in training camp, OTAs, minicamp. I was worried about him coming in. He isn't fast. He isn't big. But he can go up and get the ball because he's got great hands. He should be part of the game plan. He's part of the solution for Ben Roethlisberger, who needs help, obviously. I have confidence in saying that now. I hate when they bring some young players along slowly. You need your high draft picks to play early in 2018 due to the salary cap. He was a second-round pick. He needs to be out there. 412-922-2874. Again, get after me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. I brought this up earlier on in the show. I don't understand why the NFL hires coaches just because they stand next to better coaches. Like... Why are you bringing in Romeo Cornell? Well, he was the defensive coordinator for the Cleveland or for the New England Patriots under Bill Belichick. Yeah, it means he's a good coach. No, it doesn't. You know what that means to me? Bill Belichick's a good coach. That's what I think. Tom, let me get you on this. With all the money that there is to spend, and with the success that Mike Tomlin had coming in as a relative unknown, with the success that Sean McVay has had as a relatively unknown kind of guy, why would the league bring in a Bill Belichick disciple just assuming he's good when there are guys out there who I think can bring a different look into the league? I think it's because it's a safe hire. You know, it's easy to explain. Look, this guy was on the Patriots staff for years. He he knows football. You know, no one's going to question bringing in 
a Bill Belichick disciple, but they're going to question bringing in. Do you remember all the talk with Sean McVay before the season last year? Oh, this guy's too young. He'll never be able to win over a locker room because half the players are older than he is. <laughs> that didn't turn out to be true at all. He went 11-5 and five, went to the playoffs, and now they're going to the Super Bowl this year. So I, I just think that it's easily to explain away, like hiring a Patricia or hiring a McDaniels because it's this guy who had great success as a coordinator under the best coach in football. He will naturally be a good coach, but it, it almost never works out for him. Some coaching trees are successful. Like Andy Reid has a pretty successful coach. He does. So. As ironic as that is. Yes. Nagy already looks the part in Chicago. But here, here's where I think that that works. If you're a quarterback whisperer, if you're a quarterback guru, if you're one of the guys who gets touted as knowing how to coach a QB and make him better, I think you can have success almost immediately. Why? Because quarterbacks are pretty damn important. QB's the key. Look it, at what Peterson has done in Philly with Nick Foles. He, I mean, Carson Wentz is a superstar, but Nick Foles comes in, he leads him to the Super Bowl, and he won on Thursday night. Look at what McVay did with Goff. And... Maybe Nagy with Trubisky. I mean, we'll have to see. We'll have to see about that. Trubisky looked, he wasn't great, but he looked better than he ever did in his rookie year in his opener on Sunday night. I think that the big mistake that teams make is they go defense first, defense first, defense first. And the teams that go offense first, I think they're generally inclined to have more success. Now, maybe it's recency bias, but in 2018, I think that's the way you have to go. I think. NFL front offices, NFL coaches, everyone involved in the NFL usually are risk-averse. We talked so much a couple years ago about them moving the extra point back and how more teams are going to start going for two, and it never happened because coaches are scared. They don't want to be that guy. It makes more mathematic sense to go for it on a fourth and one than it does to punt. It helps your success chances to win the game, and yet most coaches punt than go for it on fourth and short. It's the guys who are willing to be aggressive. It's the guys who are offensively oriented, worrying about putting points up as opposed to trying to milk the clock, that are the more, I think, successful coaches in this league. Now, I know Bill Belichick is a defensive-minded guy. They say, uh, I don't buy it. Uh, I think he's very good at coaching defense. I think he's pretty darn good at scheming up an offense, too. Uh, I think he knows what he's doing. But think about Doug Peterson last year. The best fourth down conversion percentage. They went for fourth downs more than anybody else in the league. you got to be an outside-the-box thinker now. Uh, Sean McVay is that guy, too. He's aggressive. He's offensively oriented. He comes up with a bunch of cool formations like Nagy did. I think it leads to success. I think that's the way I'd go if I were trying to start a football franchise, a, a coach that I'm hiring, before I go defense, I think, Brian. Absolutely. I mean, see, everybody wants a bite of that winning culture. They want a bite of it. You know, they need a little piece of it. And it's and the way you're explaining the league is exactly what it is. It's gotten so formulaic that anything outside of the norm becomes just instant fodder for people to hate on you. Just instant. And, and it, when... Within anything, whether it's something like radio, whether it's with any game or anything, things settle down. There's kind of like an evolution, then they kind of fit into their own little box, and they stay that way for a long time. Then somebody great comes, shakes it up, and changes the way everything's done. And, and that's the kind of thing you need now, because I think it's come down to the point where you're right. They're so risk-averse that it's just it's, it's going through the motions. You can't go, you can't go for it there. Other, why would you have ever go for it there? You know, because if you miss it, 
then you're the absolute biggest jackass in the world. Criticism from the yeah. media is going to poop it, on your head. Yeah, if you get it, you're a hero. Yeah, but is that worth like having to look for a new job and move your family next season? Think about the RPOs that we see now. And it happens all the time. Broadcasters say, oh, RPO, now that was just a play action. But in the NFL, we're seeing RPO run pass options more than we've seen ever before. You watch a Sunday night game the other night with Matt Nagy going up against the Green Bay Packers, and every other pass that was thrown by Mitch Trubisky was an RPO. It's being innovative. It's changing the way that the game is played. I, I think that who, who's the coach that's now out in San Francisco with the 49ers? Uh, Shanahan. Shanahan. He schemes guys open. You don't see that with McCarthy. You don't see that, really, in the Steelers' offense enough. You see it all the time in New England, no matter who the offensive coordinator is. Give your quarterbacks an opportunity to be successful. Give them easy reads. Make things not as difficult on them, and you're going to have success. We talk all the time about needing to draft a quarterback that becomes your franchise guy because that player will lead you to championships, and very few franchises have won when they haven't had that quarterback that's one of the all-time greats, blah, 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 blah. It gets tiresome to talk about, but that's the reality. So instead of hiring the next great defensive whiz, why not hire the next great guy who can make your quarterback go from okay to great? It changes the way your your quarter it changes the way your team is looked at. It changes the way that they operate and it gives you an opportunity to win games even if your roster isn't as good as you'd like it to be. A first-year coach who comes in and can make the quarterback great, that makes up for a lot of ills. Your secondary can be bad, your offensive line can be bad. Maybe you don't have a great running game. If you've got a good quarterback, it changes everything like that. You don't have to wait for the rebuild. Make your quarterback better and you can take off. I digress. Coming up next, it's the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. It's Crowley Show. The Adam Crowley Show. Well, can I just speak for myself here, please? No, I will not speak to you, Stat Pat. I've had it up to here with you. Well, you can hear me, okay? Just listen no! to me. Just for a second. No! Enough! Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. There was a story last week in the Undefeated about Antonio Brown and how his personality on social media does not meet up with the personality in real life. And an ESPN reporter was talking to one of AB's baby mamas, and there were a lot of personal quotes about AB in the story. And actually, this woman told AB that the reporter was asking her questions, A.B. then slid into this reporter's DMs and said, hey, stop messing with my people. And all of that was in the undefeated story. And it was incredibly entertaining. It was eye-opening to a point about Antonio Brown. And this is even more eye-opening, a story that I missed. That same reporter on Twitter was threatened again by Antonio Brown. A.B. tweeted, at Jesse Washington from ESPN, wait till I see you, bro. We gonna see what your jaw look like. Oh. Oh, shoot. J. 
Jesse Washington then replied at Antonio Brown and said, Sheesh! Eyes closed emoji, eyes closed emoji, eyes closed emoji. Now, Mike Tomlin was asked about this at his press conference today. And Tomlin said, guys, don't ask me about social media things. You know, we could take all day about these things, talk all day about these things that are online or on the Internet or on social media. I just choose to stay away from it because it's a waste of time. He goes on, blah, 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 blah. I don't think it's a waste of time anymore in 2018. I think in 2018, it's very much in your job description to make sure your star wide receiver isn't going after some reporter on Twitter.com. AB already called Ed Bouchette a racist on the field this year. AB already tweeted at Ed Bouchette saying he got his bleep wrong. Now, Antonio Brown's going after a national reporter saying he's going to break his jaw? And that's not Mike Tomlin's jurisdiction? That's not something that Mike Tomlin's supposed to get involved in? I think you got to settle this dude down, man. I don't know what you do. You can't sit him down. Then you'd be cutting off your nose to spite your face. You'd wind up with a Malcolm Butler situation that the New England Patriots got into in the Super Bowl last year. But you have to do something. A.B., don't tweet at reporters. I guess the question's an obvious one. We'll go around the room. Shirtless Tom behind the glass. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me. Isn't it in the description for Mike Tomlin's job not only to win football games but to manage people? Doesn't that include online? I think it does. I believe so. First and foremost, his job is to manage people. Secondly is the football as a head coach in the NFL. Seriously, you got to get these guys first and foremost to buy into your system. You've got to manage them as players, as human beings. They've got to respect you. They've got to listen to you. And then they can get to the business of playing football into your system. And... He should be responsible for that. Yeah, the whole the whole guys don't talk to me about social media stuff. Like social media is incredibly relevant in today's landscape. Like you can't just be like, I don't want to hear about that stuff. It doesn't matter to me. Like, no, it kind of does. It's been part of the downfall for your team for the past four years. You got Facebook Live in the locker room after a playoff game. You got Bell tweeting up a storm almost every other day, and now you got Brown calling reporters out again. And you know, this is a perfect situation where look, there's a lot of distractions around the league. And, again, we're in a situation where A.B. kind of is making a little bit of a spectacle of himself. He's not going out and hurting anybody. He's not going out and doing drugs or driving drunk or anything like that. He's acting up on social media. But he's got to start knowing better than this, especially now. When when the Steelers come off of a loss against the Browns in the fashion that they did, you don't have Lev Bell around. This team needs less and less and less of that. He needs to be smarter. Once again, the statement is made. A.B., you need to be smarter off the damn field or when you're on that social media. And I don't understand. Tomlin can have that conversation with him. Maybe to the reporters he's just saying he's playing it off. Maybe behind closed That's doors true. he pulls him down and he says, Hey, look, you're being an idiot, dude. Just stop. You know, just don't hit send. Okay? What bothers me if I'm Mike Tomlin, maybe even more than the social media side of things here is that when they've talked about keeping distractions to a minimum, I think that also means keep the outside noise out your ears, right? So when AB responds to this Jesse guy, when he responds to the ESPN writer for the undefeated, one, it's a bad look on social media, but two, it means he read it. It means he's paying attention to it. It means he's reading the information that's out there on the web about him. And look, I'm a human being. I read 
underground media message boards to hear what people are saying about me. I'm a human. I, I get that side of things. But when you're trying to limit distraction, when that's one of the stated goals of the team this year, try to keep that from happening, you can't be reading it. You can't be reading the prognostications. You can't be reading who thinks you're going to be the MVP, who thinks you're having a bad year, who thinks you're having a good year. Even if it's full-on character assassination, which this piece wasn't, you have to handle it behind closed doors and at least give the appearance that you're not paying attention to the outside world. I don't know how much Mike Tomlin reads of the media, but I'd imagine it's not very much. And I'd imagine that when he does, it's only to use in a motivational factor. Hey, guys, such and such said this. Bulletin board material. Bang! But there's a line there. And I think Antonio Brown crossed it, which he's done very often. And he looks a little bit foolish because the line here, don't let the haters get to you. You look like a punk when you let the haters get to you. Yes. You really do. That's a good point. I mean, he's the one that came out of this looking like a punk. So, I mean, just let it roll off your shoulder, man. Just brush it off. Move on. Catch some balls. Let's try to get to a Super Bowl here. The irony, I think, is lost on Antonio Brown. He talked about not wanting media attention and being able to live his life, yada, 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 when Le'Veon Bell didn't show up to Steelers' OTAs. Okay. Well, then why are you putting everything on social media? Also, this article is about his persona off the field and how it doesn't match up with social media. Well, now he's matching (laughs) the person he is on social media with that guy, he, he's, he's become a caricature of himself and doesn't even know it. He's written on social media that he's going to come to real life and beat you up. Worlds collide, Antonio. Jesus. <laughs> you want to talk about irony. Adam Crowley is bad radio host. Reads headline. Adam Crowley then proceeds to do bad radio segment where he rips apart the guy who criticized him for being a bad radio host. That's basically what Antonio Brown just did. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Hey, Tom. What yes, time is it, baby? And now it's time for the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by To Be Determined. Woo! Dale Lolly going to join us in eight minutes here on the Crowley Show. Yeah! Woo! 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 Do it! So we'll get back to Steelers football, but this great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined is devoted to Pitt and Penn State. I didn't touch on it at all yesterday because y'all were pissed because of the tie. Well, Pitt and Penn State didn't tie. It was close, though. Had Pitt miraculously come up with 45 more points, would have had a hell of an overtime. Pitt has not gotten any better under Pat Narduzzi. They haven't. And he sets an example as a clown. He's running up and down the field like a clown show. He wasn't composed, and neither was his football team. Bunch of penalties, bunch of turnovers, all kinds of problems on special teams. And it all comes from a coach who does not appear to be buttoned up or composed at all. Buttoned up. Buttoned up. Buttoned up. Buttoned up. Regardless, don't care the phrase... Pat Narduzzi isn't it. Has this team gotten better, Tom? Yes. No. Pitt's wide receivers have 10 catches in two games. I see your yes, and I'll raise you a no. 10 catches by the wideouts in two games, Tom. Is that good? 
I want to say it's good, but no. It's bad, Tom. It's real bad. I mean, what if you ran for a lot of yards, though? I mean... They lost by 45, uh, Tom. Woo! Pat Narduzzi said it's the Super Bowl. It's the big week. You got to beat those bastards from across the state. It's not just any other game. And he gets smacked. Smacked. And you can say that there's a huge talent discrepancy, and oh, God, yeah, there is. But Pitt hung around in the first half. They fell apart in the second. And yeah, that's about talent a little bit, but I think it's also about the head coach not making good decisions and looking like a fool and his team unraveling because of it. That word is unraveling. Raveling. Raveling. James Franklin's also a douche, but him being a douche proves that the game means something. James Franklin ran up the score. Would he do that against just any opponent? James Franklin threw for the score with four minutes and 21 seconds left in the game. I can't talk today. It was 44 to 6. Four minutes, 21 seconds to go. He called for a review on a pit fumble. Then later on with a minute left while holding the 45-point lead. To be fair, this is the same guy that last year called a timeout to freeze the Georgia State kicker as he was lining up for a last-second field that would make it Penn State 59, Georgia State 3. That was before the pit game. So he couldn't look bad to the BCS there. You need the shutout there. It was before the pit game, and he was practicing running up the score for the pit game. That's what happened there, Tom. James Franklin knows this is a game. He knows it's a rivalry. He knows it means more to his fans than he's letting out to be. Penn State fans know it means more to them than they're letting it on to be. He's a douche. Narduzzi's a douche. Unfortunately for Pitt fans, James Franklin's a douche who's better at coaching football. Going 9-3 and a couple of years, finishing in the top 25 at Vanderbilt. That's a damn accomplishment. Pat Narduzzi, 7-5 and last year with Pitt. Or 5-7, and pardon me, last year at Pitt. Let's see what he does this year. I wouldn't be feeling good if I were you, if I were a Pitt fan. Tom's feeling good, though. He's delusional. You know, it's kind of reminding me of the year when Pitt beat Penn State, and everybody thought Penn State was down, and then they come back and they go to the Big Ten Championship game. I mean, it's just the way it's going to go. Tom, have you visited any of the establishments in Oakland that Dan Marino used to do lines in? (laughs) Uh, No, I have not. Okay, I don't believe you. That's the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. Woo! I'm glad it's over. I can't talk today. Up next, Dale Lally will talk so I don't have to about the Steelers' tie loss to the Cleveland Browns. It's Crowley Show.